Today's Daily DVR is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Head on over to Cufflinks.com and use code DVR20 to save 20% off your order, no minimum. You've heard me talk about Cufflinks before. You know all the awesome, geeky, as well as super high-class products they have. And if you check their homepage, they're always listing a bunch of deals for you. And, of course, I did just tell you one, DVR20. So go ahead and use that. And you know what? You still got to look good, people. We know you got to be careful out there. We still got corona going on, but you can still look good if you're zooming it or even if you're just walking past someone looking outside a window. So head on over to cufflinks.com today. Use code DVR20 and save. Thank you, Cufflinks. Welcome to Daily DVR. Does Mine Hunter? We're here, Axel. I'm Heath Solo. You're Axel Foley. We're here. We made it to the finale. Yep. Season two, episode nine. Did you think we'd make it, Axel? Wow, man. Um, it's been a long road. We've had our starts and stops. We were teachers. We were interviewers. We were interrogators. We helped families. <laughs> Did we really help we, families? We gave people shoes. <laughs> <laughs> we saw guys jerk off into shoes. Um, it was, a, I mean, dude, this has just been a great journey. I can't believe it's over. I don't think it's over. I do think we're going to be back talking about Mindhunter someday again, either in a movie or a season three. I just know it's been spectacular. And this episode was spectacular. It just, there's never been a time when I felt disappointed by this show. I have to agree with you 100%. I'm never disappointed. I love this show. Honestly, like I would, I would consider it a top 10 show all time for me. My caveat is the only two seasons, but yet I have Batman 66 in my top 10, and that was only three seasons. So Mindhunter is close. Doing a top 10 all-time is tough to do. Definitely top 20, because um, I'm still, the wire is still, the wire and loss are neck and neck for my number one, but Mindhunter is up there. And yeah, I, I could see coming back with a movie and then maybe another season or two. Yes. depending if they're going to time jump. But I leave it up to Fincher and the boys. I, I They'll make it happen. Our boy Holt McElhaney will say, yo, Finch, let's do this. So um, I, I have I, I have a good feeling. It just may not be for a while. Kind of like, you know what, Axel, it's okay, because it's kind of like, like shows like Luther or British shows that, you know, sometimes four or five years go by and then they come back. You know, three years. So, hey, it'll happen. Yep. So pretty much uh, I want to attack this this episode differently, Axel. I have some questions for you, and then we can kind of get into the conversation and talk about uh, the mise-en-scene, the semantics, all that good film stuff. But pretty much when it comes down to they – Start off the episode with a nice, nice, beautiful shot of the river. And then the camera kind of comes down and you see, you know, police officer at the bridge. It was really interesting. Um, But they pull over Wayne Williams. They can't keep him. So he leaves. Now they're trying to get evidence and they're trying to fit, try to fit the profile for Holden. Um, 
but they, they believe they have their man. And basically the episode is, is the whole media circus stuff going on with the politics. Uh, you know, we find another victim, a 20 year old six foot one guy, which is, doesn't fit the profile, but it's a murder. And, uh, pretty much it, it, it's a cat and mouse, the arrogance and the cockiness of Wayne Williams. But at the same time, you're going back and forth. You don't know, like, is he really the killer? Well, it sure looks like it. And I believe our Holden and everybody, but, um, but I, I want to get into all that because it's kind of a straightforward episode. Mm-hmm. It's it's more back to like a one episode investigation, yep. which makes it amazing. But I, I have a bunch of questions for you. But before I get into my first question, I just kind of want to get some of your, I'm not going to say initial thoughts, Axel, but as a whole, we've seen many shows, movies about investigations leading up. There's great, you know, you have your classics, procedurals, your law and orders, you got your wire, uh, you got so many great shows out there, you know, American shows, British shows, et cetera. What, 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 as this show, what makes it different for me, Axel, is there's major character development and there's other things going on, developing the uh, profiling, um, at the FBI, the whole, uh, interviews with serial killers you have data to analyze you have all these yeah yeah. and you have all these things going on along with cases along the way and this is the first big case for the profiling team to really put them on the map uh if if they can succeed but i just kind of want to get your feeling on how the buildup of the investigation that I'm sure I know it works for you, but just kind of get some of your thoughts on this episode as a whole. Well, I thought it was an amazing episode. As you said, it was very straightforward in the sense that we do get a little bit of Nancy and Tench and a bit of a resolution of that at the end. Not Barb. (laughs) <laughs> Not Barb, I remembered. And I looked up his wife or, or uh, yeah, his wife in Lights Out was not named Barb. So I don't know where the Barb okay. thing was coming from. <laughs> I still don't understand that. But one day I will discover, one day I'll meet Holt McElhaney and I'll say, dude, why did I think your wife's name was Barb in Mindhunter? And he'll be like, because in this thing it was. Now shut up and get your hands out of your pockets. <laughs> now listen This episode was great because in many ways it was the culmination. And if it does stand as the final episode of the series, I think that will be okay because it does stand of the culmination of so many of the things, the big uh, interview and slash interrogation with Williams at the police station is the culmination of them working together and ironing out their issues They have no issues. They are a solid team working like one person in that interview, right? Mm -hmm. It's the culmination of the politics. We see the director of the FBI on TV talking about them. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, and they used to be in the fucking basement and they were hidden and they couldn't even be, they weren't even supposed to be doing this, right? So that's the culmination of that. Um, 
you have the culmination of Holden keeping it together, actually being helpful and getting and convincing the DA to give them search warrants and stuff like that. Right. Like whoever thought you'd see that. Mm. Um, the only thing that was missing from me was Wendy and we kind yeah. we kind of got a close an awkward close to her character. Um, I feel I would have liked to seen something with at least a quick flashback to her and Greg. So I, I started out saying the show has never disappointed me. Maybe that's my one. It's one flaw is that I would have liked to seen at least her and Greg playing ping pong back at. Uh, Quantico <laughs> or foosball, foosball, just doing, Hey, doing something, you know, or interviewing someone successfully, but they, there was development and, and there, I don't think that they planned this to be a series finale. Um, yeah. but it has a lot of the hallmarks of it. And of course a scene stealing again and again, role, uh, the guy who played Wayne Williams, I should have his mm. name in front of me here as we're talking. Um, but he was his real name is Wayne Williams. Didn't you know? No, <laughs> that's the real Wayne Williams. The real Ra- Wayne Williams. Wayne <laughs> Williams was Rain, um, Rain, Rain Wilson. We'll, we'll look up his name and give him proper credit. But he was absolutely fantastic. The direction. Uh, it was a fantastic episode, and it left as many questions as it answered, and that's also a kind of a Fincher hallmark. Yeah, part of me, yeah, honestly, and they could be building up to this potentially, but we, you know, again, we don't know. Um, is I, I, I would like Wendy to be more involved in the cases. I know she's researched, but I would love to get her perspective on the profile and what's going on at Atlanta as a woman, as a very intelligent woman, and as, you know, great academic and a great mind, I really would like have to have gotten her feedback on the case. It's too bad that yeah. I know it happened for the story, for the show. Um, and it would be, I guess it would turn it into more maybe of a network show if all of a sudden Super Wendy was on the scene. But I wish there was a way they could could have incorporated that. And, you know, maybe they will or maybe they won't. Which brings me to my first question. Wendy, we get the one shot of Wendy we get, Axel, is her looking at the newspaper and tossing it. Assuming it's a great article. I didn't catch what's on there, but I'm assuming it's a great article on the profiler and them catching Wayne Williams. And, uh, you know, a, a, a great article about the profiling unit and she's frustrated. Do you think? Um, oh, OK. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Before you, I get to my question. Do go. you do you did that seem seen seem to you to be about her like throwing this whole thing away? Well, it brings me to my first question. Do you think Wendy's going to leave the FBI? Do you think she's had enough? I think she's you think- disgruntled, but I think that she mm-hmm. would need to talk to them. Okay. You know, okay. we would need to see some sort of scene where they work that out or we figure that out because I would find I, I would being as though our most of what we've seen with Wendy lately had been her personal life. Mm hmm. 
I would have liked to see more of it work that work itself out in the professional sphere besides her being upset about her breakup and then kind of like, you know, quitting. Uh, to me, I took it as her just being frustrated and mm. uh, see, I was almost like I was reading your mind, mind hunting solo. <laughs> you were hunting my mind. I felt the question coming in. I was like, that, I just all of a sudden, it's like, I, I was like, oh my God, with, I had never really thought about that. That would be a signal that she was going to quit or like, she wouldn't even be in the show in the next season. I felt it was more so that she would make more of a kind of maybe even more of a break from what Holden and Tench are doing and concentrate more on the um, analytical aspects of the data gathering and make and like kind of more so she had like flirted with that all the interviews of these people and stuff and maybe get more into the interviews of criminals that had already been caught but kind of leave that to them. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to look at it as a series finale or a season finale. You know, like if we don't get anything more, what did that symbolize? Could that symbolize something greater than it would if it was just a season two finale and we'd see her back? I just, yeah, I just think she's at a crossroads. Her, she's struggling with her personal life. She's struggling with her change from, you know, academia to you know, now working for the FBI and it's such a pivotal point, you know, it's 1981. It's such a pivotal point uh, in her life. She's a lot of struggles going on. So it might just, it just might be a simple symbolism of she's just doesn't want to deal with it right now. She doesn't want to read it or she's just doesn't want to deal. She needs to focus and figure out what the hell she wants or how she's going to change her life. Um, do you think it would be too cheesy uh, if we had another season and maybe they're hunting, you know, another serial kill Green River or something else and they have a problem, then Wendy would kind of come in mid-season. She'd be in the show, but mid-season and really help them out with the case and become more involved and get sucked in that way? Or do you think it's more going to be away from her doing any type of profiling or working on specific cases. Well, that's a hard thing. Like we've talked about before, that's not really her, you know, this idea that they would just grab someone and keep bringing them like to, to different like uh, crime scenes and stuff when they have hold it. Right. Right. Cause she's not actually trained to be, a crime scene investigator in any way, shape or form or, and she's really her role in talking out this stuff with Holden and Tench is to formulate a way of collating this data, right. And looking yes. at kind of this new, um, setting boundaries for this new way of looking at crime, analysis and it was cool for her to get to go i think on the interviews and be there with greg but i think it always felt awkward for her too because like you know in some of the 
final conversation she that she has with Gunn, where he's kind of like, that's not really your job, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get it. And, and I wasn't like, I, did, I don't necessarily want her to be, you know, in the field. I think it's, yeah, I guess she, it'd be more when they're creating the profile, she'd be involved. And then once they create the profile, then her work is done kind of thing. Like if she has anything to do with that, that, that kind of makes sense. I guess I just want more Anna Torv in the show. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, a, <laughs> you know, it's tough. It's tough. When you look back at the whole series solo, isn't that main, the kind of puzzle piece that doesn't quite fit right is the Wendy character, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that, 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 Perhaps that belongs because in the kind of when you they're doing uh, this work and the type of people that they deal with are these methodical, like everything in its place type of uh, murderers, right? Serial killers. And in a way, it's kind of interesting to have a show where there's something kind of like off center. And I think Wendy has provided an interesting foil, but also an interesting um, as an idea as an outsider in the show. Uh, Because you, even as like a layman and when I'm watching it, I'm never quite sure because when they first came to kind of recruit her, she was an academic. She was a total just Mm -hmm. academic. She had never done anything about murderers or right. Like her, her role grew as it went on and it would be interesting if she did actually end up going with them and getting that training what do i know maybe she could do it in like a month you know what i mean she seems perfectly capable yeah um yeah i it just i never quite understood and i think she didn't either and maybe that's also a part of something new is a lot of times when something new is formed there's always people you know like the 15th guy who worked at Facebook who didn't become a billionaire. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. (laughs) (laughs) There's always people who quite didn't fit for some reason. And then you have to ask yourself, did that have to do with the times that she was a woman? Is that why Gunn didn't want her out on, you know, you have to Mm. consider that too. So there's a lot to consider with her character, but overall I do think that, um, it's a part of the show, like I say, a puzzle piece that doesn't quite fit. Right. Uh, since we're kind of there, I, I do want to touch on Bill and Nance. And I mean, we have the great montage after everything is over. Uh, again, we talked about Wendy throwing away the paper, the the song Guilt by Marianne Faithful's playing. And if, if you listen to the lyrics, it's pretty interesting. It's just like... And it really goes to Bill because Bill's trying to balance everything as we talked about throughout this podcast. He's trying to, you know, be at home for Brian and his wife. He needs rest. He's trying to be in Atlanta and do a thing. He's trying to be with, you know, help out Wendy at the office. I mean, he, he's spreading himself too thin. And I'm sure he feels guilty, but he's just doing his job. Now, the buildup of nance aka barb really wanting to leave and and start a new life and bill is kind of like no this is not a good time brian needs 
stability. Yep. And then even in this episode, she brings it up again, like the final straw. Even the you know episode or two before where she talks about she wants to sell the couch. When he gets to the open uh to the well, open house to the house where nothing's left but his stuff and the old couch is still there kind of like a kick in the ad like yeah. see here you go billy um so and of course so my thing is tench is a smart guy he he sees this stuff going on with his son and his wife and the cases and holden and wendy and everything and he's as we said he's trying to hold it all together, be that glue for everyone. Do you think Bill would, would think Nance would have the balls to leave him or was it kind of just like he kind of felt it, but he know he couldn't deal with it now. I mean, he cares about his kid and his marriage, but Bill seems like a smart guy not to see this coming, but at the same time, it could be one of those smartest guys who's worried about everyone else's business doesn't see it coming. So I just, my first question of this part is, do you think Bill saw a potential of Nance leaving him coming? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think right. so. And I, as neither did I really, as I was watching it because what the thing that surprised me is that she took Brian with her. <laughs> right, like, you think you're gonna leave him on the couch well <laughs> i could have you know yeah. i almost feel like that would have been my um if i had to guess like if something was going to happen with their marriage i would say she she goes out for groceries and doesn't come back right um and when he came back to the house after we had been through this whirlwind of what happened with in Atlanta and he had checked in. I think there's one phone call or maybe two phone calls that are quick when he's uh, during the investigation. And then of course we see him when he's at home really quick and just talks to her. And she again mentions wanting to get out of there. Um, I didn't really consider that she would do that to him. Because I felt that she wanted to escape both of them. And that's why I, in my mind, I wasn't so sure when this episode was over that that is what happened, that she left them. I think maybe she just moved. And when he got back to the office, there was a message that said, here's your new address. Nancy will have mm. dinner on the table at five or something. Like, I just think she was making a power move. I don't know if she was leaving him as she was leaving the situation. Oh, that's a great point. Because technically, it, yeah, it could be like, I'm make because she says, when have I ever asked you to move? Because they've moved. We find out they have moved for the job yeah. several times. And so, yeah, maybe it wasn't necessarily i'm divorcing you i don't love you because she definitely loves bill still maybe she's just like i made the move to yeah to move the only thing is because his stuff's still there yeah unless that's, that's, true. Uh, that's unless true. Uh, yeah i mean I unless get... that's unless that axel is i took my stuff and what i want if you want to come here take your stuff and meet me there 
but normally it would be like if she left the note dinner at five as you said yeah i know <laughs> i think she would have taken his stuff of course i think that any uh, m- the most likely is that you're right and she left him and and took the kid and was gone but for some reason in my mind i didn't see it that way because of brian because it seemed that her apathy at the end had been even more largely focused on the kid and she was kind of almost talking to him like it was really just between them now so that was kind of surprising to me um but not surprising that this didn't end well because of course there's no way right, that i right, think right. anybody could have gotten through this that's in the end the tense situation with his family and his job you have to say to yourself what really was the right thing to do he was trying yeah. to help kids that were getting murdered you know i mean it was a catch 22 yeah and and also by leaving him she would be taking care care of brian on her own which yeah. i don't think she could so it might be just a hey this could have like symbolism of this is what it's like without us your 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 shirts your couch and nothing you're empty and it could have been one of those like challenges and i'm sure they'll work it out um or or could you know they could work it out i don't think it's over i don't think she just is going to leave him leave him but it's probably a power move like all right if you don't want to be with us we're we're leaving but i make i'm taking charge here so it could be just that um but it was shocking to me the first time <clears throat> seeing that i didn't expect that in the rewatch you start seeing the signs so it's a little different knowing she's gonna leave then you like oh my god there's a red flag there's a red flag there's oh, a red flag or she had every reason to do it that's no surprise at all right it's just yeah. the playing out of the events on the show and in relationship to the character. And like you said, I think what we both kind of, what kind of hinge on is Brian. If they, if it, if this was like a married couple with no, if the kid had not been involved, um, I could, I would, it makes, there's no question to me, but it almost seemed to me like I, I, I remember when the, when I first watched this, I kind of expected him to come around a corner and see Brian like sitting on the couch or something. (laughs) She just left the couch. Hello, father. You know? Yeah. Hello, father. I'm speaking to you. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And it just be then they could right, yeah, just do like the male Norman Bates, right? Go buy a hotel and Tench is like, Holden, I gotta fix the furnace. (laughs) Uh I'm lucky. I'm lucky. Oh man. Um but yeah, Nancy, what a what a what a role! Great acting. She's so good. She oh to, she, I mean, come on, she should have done this a while ago, of course, um, and just taking control of that. But she did what she could have done, you know. And it was, what yeah, she reached her situation. breaking point. Yeah, you know, poor thing. And, and she 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 had to put everything on her shoulders. And, 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 and take care of Brian. And she just wasn't getting any, you know, alone time or any time with her husband. 
you know, especially when he's like, I just want it. He's like, I just need rest. And she just is like, all right, well, whatever. We're going to the Y. Then he gets the call. He goes back to Atlanta and it's like, oh boy, you know? So anyway, if Bill said, yes, we will move. Let me finish Atlanta and we'll move. I'm sure she would have stuck around, but I guess, you know, for whatever reason, it just, you know, he didn't want to do it at this time, you know, but um, hopefully they'll work stuff out. All right. Let's get to Atlanta again, Axel. I mean, the big thing is the catching of Wayne Williams. Now, my background with this case, I knew nothing about it. And then about, I want to say three years ago or so, uh, Payne Lindsay did a podcast, Atlanta Monster, and it basically a true crime pod about the whole Atlanta child murders uh, that took place, you know, from 79 to 81. And that's when I learned about it. And I, and I had no idea. I, I never even heard of this stuff. I mean, cause I, I mean, I was only like five years old, four or five years old when this started. So there's not something in the early eighties I would have been keen on. Um, but, and then Payne uh, interviewed, John Douglas, the profiler, worked on the case. And then, of course, Mindhunter book he wrote, uh, you know, with with help, but based on his experiences. And so then I was like, oh, wow. And then I heard Mindhunter season two is going to focus on the Atlanta child murders. And I'm like, holy crap. Then, of course, uh, the documentary came out this year. So after Mindhunter uh, that, you know, keeps you up to date on what's going on with the case and everything and what has happened and um, kind of, you know, what didn't happen and what did happen. So um, so going into this, I was pretty impressed how close they kept towards a lot of the details, uh, which, of course, with Fincher at the helm, they were going to do that. Um, and this is the type of show where I, I mean, granted the characters that we're following, you know, Tench, Wendy, everyone, Gunn, Holden, their, their incorporation, they're, they're, they're basically pieces of a bunch of different real life characters. You know, Holden's not playing John Douglas per se, but, you know, a few of them encapsulates his character and whatever. But, I, you know, a show like this, when they're dealing with a real some real history. That's when I get very like nitpicky about, is this real? Is, did this happen? Did they change it for the movie? And for the most part, a lot of this stuff, I mean, I, I haven't dissected the whole, whole thing, but it's pretty, pretty spot on. Um, so, all right, Axel, it's time to get into the nitty gritty of the case. Uh, this episode really, um, you know, we, we got things about, we talked about it earlier, you know, about the characters and what's going on with them throughout this. But let's get to the case and this whole how they captured Wayne Williams and the fallout from that. So um, there's a <laughs> there's a lot of things going on. Uh, the cop at the bridge didn't bag all the stuff because Wayne gave consent to check the car. Uh, and of course, everything is gone in the car. Um they, I have a problem with, I mean, maybe it was 1981, 82, whatever, uh, how things are done. I almost feel like they get the warrant, they bug, you know, the car. And then they just seems like, like, especially Holden and Bill are just like following him and are just outside. He's not going to go kill anybody <laughs> while he's being 
followed. Uh, what what do you think their point of is it to put pressure on him to see if he messes up? Um, like kind of when Jim and Holden went to the went to his home to f- interview him, which is a great interview where they're trying to see if he, they catch him in lies. Uh, but what what is your opinion on this whole media circus slash surveillance? Well, I you know I think that this is really interesting. The whole cat and mouse game that goes on here, because it's not just about trying to get. Wayne to do something it's really about trying to gather any little evidence or any clue that can then get the DA to allow them more access right because what we see is like an escalation it's really interesting that in this if it is stand as the final episode it really does work the more we talk about it because um they they really you just see each step right like first they catch it they talk to him at the bridge they think he dropped something but there there's nothing on him so they have to let him kind of go on his way mm-hmm. right they're they like you said they have a screw up with are they allowed to take evidence they don't really have any compelling uh, ev- uh, straightforward evidence. He's they didn't see him throw anything off the bridge. So, like you said, they never f- they never get the rope. They don't do the car properly and get all that evidence. So then, when they go back, the DA is kind of like, eh, "Hey, you know," which, by the way, let's uh, uh, back it, two or three episodes ago, there was that huge scene where the DA is talking in front of all the people and they interrupt mm-hmm. him. And we kind of said, why did they put this big scene? Well, it really was to introduce Slayton who was amazing. This actor is great. He really, he does such a great job. Um, and each level that they go to, to get the evidence, Hey, can we, can we search the car? Can we search the car? Oh, now he burned something in the backyard. So I don't, there is one point in which Tench says, we'll, we'll brick him up or something, like we'll make him so nervous he does something stupid. But I don't think they mean that he's going to kill someone. I think they right, mean right. that he's going to burn stuff in the backyard. He's going to toss a bag of garbage out a window. You know what I'm saying? And like they can, they'll find like panties in it or something. Like, wasn't that weird when they found his mom's panties in the back of the car? By the way, yeah, that that part never. There was just like a lot of weird little things they threw in here that make you think he did it. You know. Yeah, um, but yeah, that was interesting to me solo upon watching this again. And now I guess is like my fourth or fifth time watching this episode. Um, I really saw more and more that the, the cat and mouse game was between the cops, the FBI, the DA, the mayor, the governor and the freaking vice president. Right. Like so many people got involved and in the end, as we have such a rapid conclusion to this thing, right? Like we think we're climbing that ladder and then all of a sudden we're just at the top and they arrest him, right? Um, yeah, they even they even are shocked, especially Jim. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, do we miss something? Like, <laughs> Yeah, and I think it, it's, they did, which is what happened off screen, which is what Gunn explains to us later. 
Um, yeah. That this, that really, that's what's so cool about this episode is we get the intricacies of not only them going after the criminal and them being able to face off against a guy who is as cunning, as smart, um, as arrogant as any of the other guys that they've talked to who have been caught, but this guy hasn't been caught. And we get to see how the intricacies of the workings of government and the red tape work themselves out. But we don't get to see that happens off screen, just like it happens for our characters, you know? So I like, I kind of like that. Yeah. I mean, cause you could have had another 15 minutes just on the politics alone, making decisions and you really didn't need yep. it. It's, it, it, it's, it's great that they show that the guys were focused on, you know, Holden, Bill, Jim, mm-hmm. uh, f- we're focusing on them. And, but there's stuff even above their pay grade that's going on. And, and, and it's an off balance situation, but it, it's like, wow, they, it's like, they finally want to put this to bed. They believe somebody leaks something to the press and that's where we get the Atlanta monster. And of course, Tanya goes to Holden's, she comes back, goes to his room and she's just, I mean, she brings up a great point and it's funny, Axel, when I first watched this, I, I guess I was so focused on Wayne Williams did it, you know, how do they get him? But I'm, I forgot that even Tanya is, is like, oh, what a black man in a white car, really? Mm-hmm. And yeah. even when Holden goes back to the the diner again and is talking to the mothers, and and they don't even believe that he killed them all. That you know, and plus they get him for only two murders, but not the children. Which I, you know, I knew that, but I totally it hit me over the head harder this time. Like they don't get justice for their kids. They got him on, you know, two other murders and, and, and it's just, but yet the FBI and everyone's, oh, it's a victory where the fucking Beatles, as Gunn says and everything. And, and it's just like, and Holden's the only one that seems to really like, he really thought the FBI presence would stay there, work the cases. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and he was naive in that aspect. And Bill is just kind of relieved that, Hey, we did our job. Let's get on this jet. Um, but you know, the, the the actors and actresses, like you said, just it could be one scene, like the guy at the studio when he's cleaning up trash and talking about Wayne. That's one of my favorite scenes of the episode. This guy is so good. He's not overdoing it as an actor. He's just giving information. He's making smirks. I mean, it's so real. It, it, I love that scene. And they yeah. do get a lot of information. They were, you know, he brings kids there. He just talks to them, demo tape. Yeah, come on. This guy, and of course, in the newspaper, Wayne, before the interview, was handing out his resume. Oh I mean, this God, guy. That was hilarious. That you was, know, bring yeah. some fast food. I thought you'd be hungry. I mean, and of course, Bill loves his fries. But it, it's <laughs> But he just, didn't like the fish sandwich. No. <laughs> I love fish sandwiches. Full of, I love fish you sandwiches. Know, I, don't eat, I don't eat fish, dude. I don't. Oh, I, you don't? No, I've, I have not eaten. I. I eat shrimp, but I just have never liked the taste of fish. Oh, wow. Yep. That's the way I oh, am. That's good to know on the Mindhunter pod. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're, we're, we're relating to our characters, Polo. It's my pathology. He doesn't eat fish. Yeah. He doesn't. <laughs> so, you know, 
Wayne Williams, I mean, of course, we mentioned before that the actor is phenomenal. He, like when Jim and Holden go to his house, first off, it's like, hey, let's try to catch him in a lie. He has an answer for everything, like about writing down the, the number of the supposed uh, client. And he's like, wait a minute, you told me you wrote down the number, but you just said your your mom took took the number. Out. Well, I and then he pauses and then he's like. Well, I must have copied it down on another piece of paper. He always has an answer for everything. Dude, it 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 is you not only does he always have an answer for everything, but he also seems to lie for no reason at all. Like about mm-hmm. the dog. What does it fucking yeah. matter that his dad has a dog? Like they find the dogs and he's like, Do you have a dog? He's like, No. Well, and then when he, and then Holden opens the door, and the dog almost yeah. bites him, right? Which oh, that I, I mean, fu- that scene alone was so amazing. Just the way, the way this episode, there is a lot of people obviously sitting around or standing around. The, uh, so much of this episode, I mean, they interview him on three or four different occasions, right? Yeah, you're that right. we right. see that are like separate interrogations in the car, at the house, at the police station, and then there, and then there's there was an, there's another like interaction with him that I'm not remembering, but even oh even the one when after they let him go in the police interrogation and he is so attracted to all the cameras and he walks towards it. So basically what I'm trying to say and what you're pointing out is they do a great job of the pathologies that they have described to us in interviews in the past and the, and, and the pathology that Holden has described to people. We now get to see it in action right yeah he has this need to incriminate himself in order to keep the police shining the light on him because mm-hmm. he wants to feel like he is a part of the investigation even though he's the central suspect <laughs> i know but that makes well, sense right, to a person that would murder little children you know what i'm saying like that is yeah. it's it is a it's a sickness and it, uh, uh, I mean, for those who are who, for those of us who are parents and are listening, it's kind of strange because you see a lot of this kind of behavior in children, and that's one thing that the connection with Brian. I mean, we already talked; we don't need to go into Brian again. But they never really talked. They never really had an outright conversation about how that's normal with children, because yeah. it is like my son always is self-incriminating he does something wrong and then he'll walk into a room and he'll be like hey dad you don't need to go into the bathroom do you and i'll be like what are you talking about why are you all of a sudden to-? and i'll be like what the fuck did you do in the bathroom and then i'll go in there and he clogged the toilet or something right you know what i mean <laughs> so this is the way Wayne is and it's yeah and and even the way his dad at that point when he's like like a fucking moth to the flame with those cameras and he even smiles oh, he's so enthralled he is he has yeah. a moment there where it's just like that's what he wants yep yeah. he wants that it's brilliant and you could imagine 
any of the other men that we have seen Tench and Holden or Wendy uh, interview be him at that point during their um, freedom or or during their like uh, tete-a-tete with the police. Um, Mm -hmm. So any of the guys, right? Because they all acted like that. So it's really interesting. Yeah, the dog thing too, I just didn't get. They're like, there's dog fibers. He's like, do you have a dog? He's like, no, I don't have a dog. But what at that point in time, he had no idea that dog hair could be on a victim. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So lying about the dog did nothing but make them more suspicious when they went to his house and there was a fucking big, huge dog there. <laughs> like yeah. you weren't oh, going to hide that dog. dog. It's my dad's dog. It's my yeah. uncle's car. Like it's, he's, yeah, it's really weird stuff. And, um, the look one thing throughout this episode is whenever usually Tench is talking first and, you get to see, especially in the car scene when they first interrogate him and Mm -hmm. Holden just is like, every time he does something super weird and suspicious that fits his weird profiles, Holden gets this little, like, it's like, he's getting a chubby. He's like, Oh, right. (laughs) Like you could see his eyes open up. Right. Yeah. yeah. His reactions are amazing. Yes. Groff, man. He just like lifts his eyes a little bit. Like you see it. Like he's like kind of floating up like, oh, wow, he just did it. He's a crazy, he's like the crazy people I think about all the time. And um, it's really great. And the actor who played Wayne, man, kudos to him. And if you look him up, um, he looks a lot different and Mm -hmm. he's been in other stuff. Man, what a great job he did of just every, you know. (laughs) <laughs> what, yeah, what did, what I mean, say on the bridge, he's like, uh, when Jim comes up and he's like, two out of every three words were where the dead bodies or something like that, like, <laughs> where the dead kids like he kept he kept on mentioning it. Right. It, yeah, oh, man, it was beautiful. I mean, Wayne is so arrogant. It's like, yeah, I work with kids every day, I w- but I didn't kill him. <laughs> it's like, you know, it, he just he he's almost feeding off that like taunting and it's tough because he just doesn't look physically or even, you know, like facially, I guess you would say he doesn't, he doesn't look like a serial killer, possible pedophile. I mean, it's tough to judge someone on a look, but he just, you're like, even people know that that can't be the killer. He doesn't look like, I have to agree with you. You know what? In all the other interviews and cases, I try to sit there at one point during the show because I do notice, you know, like you, I mean, just like anything, you pick up certain points and you kind of realize you're watching a TV show. Yeah. And I try to take a second, maybe even to pause it or something. And I don't know why I did this just since we started watching this show, but I thought it was important to realize like, and we've always talked about it, you know, we love this show and it is about serial killers, but you and I do not love serial killers. Okay. We're not in Correct. any way enamored with them. These are horrible people who destroy other people's lives. 
and I try to close my eyes or just sit with it a second, even maybe freeze frame on the bad guy and think if I was sitting in the room with that person and this is one guy in particular that I just would not be a, it. He doesn't give you that. Fee, there's n- even though there's maybe maybe when he smiles at Holden when he's driving away from the interview and the cameras are there and you kind of see it and the wind is blowing in the background, right? Like you see the wind blowing the 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 trees that are there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of creepy. But generally speaking, I totally agree with you, Solo. I feel like if I was in a room with this guy, I'd have no fucking idea he was a serial killer. And that that's an amazing no point. Yeah. Because you're in a room with Manson. You're in the room with Ed Kemper. These guys, I'd be afraid to be around. Yep. Like, oh, my God, they're going to kill me at, at any time. Or, you know what? Wayne Williams is just kind of like, I just want to punch him in the face and be done. Or laugh with him. Actually, I kind of got, I have to admit, I kind of got a kick out of him. I thought that his attitude was pretty funny. I mean, he was so relaxed. I was a little impressed by the way that he just didn't give a shit that all the FBI, he's like, you know, I like children, you know, (laughs) just sitting there on the couch. Jim's looking at the carpet that'll soon be torn up and changed right like yeah they got a nice fat shot of that he's like well look at that carpet um and then he's just kind of sitting there he's like well i don't know how about the the best for me the best part was when they were in the police station and after he had had his freaking pubes pulled and naked in front of everybody and he didn't care he was standing up he straight. he's just standing like he's yep. yeah an Adonis. It was nothing. And then when they sat down and interviewed him, you couldn't tell that they had just humiliated him and they did it on purpose. You know, he, he knew they were standing behind the mirror, like everyone knows. And then Holden said something like, um, you know, we're really, we're trying, we're trying to hone in on where were you or something. And he's like, well, where the, Oh no, it was about the car. You know, who else has a car like this police? And if you yeah. pretended like you were a cop, you could do this. And then he's like, well, how about a cop is just a cop? They could be doing yeah. this. Are you investigating the police? Right. And right. They, he really and just a smooth, like little accent and manner that he spoke was so disarming um, and folksy and in a, in a way kind of welcoming that it made me think solo we're talking about how he made us feel different from those other guys maybe if we saw those guys kemper or something before they got caught maybe this mm-hmm. is how they were they right like maybe well, this because like kemper used to hang out with cops yeah and they see? thought he was just ed a cop wannabe there you go. So it's like that's a great he, point, Folo. He was he's kind of embodying what they were before they were years in prison right. and had told everybody they and everyone's like, You're a serial killer, you're a serial killer. You know? And what's amazing about that, with this being the finale of the season, and it's all the work from road school to interviewing serial killers, working on cases, Bill and Holden got a guy that has is not locked up for being a serial killer, like you said. This is pre, but they are on their interview skills are a hundred percent. They're simpatico. It's not like Bill. What are you doing? They are boom, boom, boom. And we've seen that throughout the series where they really come together. 
But this is like what's amazing. You bring that up. This is the serial kill before he's a, you know, caught. And it's just a different perspective versus a one off like in Pennsylvania where, you know, that that one murder in season one with the uh, the guy who has a girlfriend and his bro- his brother in law is having yeah, sex with, you know, yeah. that the whole other, thing. And those things. Yeah. The other people that they had kind of got live were more in the beginning of what they were doing. Right. And um, they had obviously it hadn't become as big as this case, but you're right. It wasn't even serial killing. It was a murder. It it had the hallmarks of perhaps could become that. But this is someone who's 20 something and per and more perhaps. Right. Um, And uh, or as we'll talk about, there were other people involved because this that is in the background of everything that's happening here. And I think that Wayne's personality, the personality of the mayor, and we, we should talk, we should give at least it just, I mean, it's more of a plot point than anything that we can dive too deep into. I feel, but it's another indication of the personality of these men which is when Wayne drives to the mayor's house and makes him yeah, that's a great move. It's insanity, right? And then and and the interesting thing is Tench keeps on saying to Holden. He says it to him when they're in the um news truck or news station. It's kind of hard to tell mm-hmm. which what it is, but I love that. That was god he, even when they give you like a two to three minute scene, everything is so authentic and every character, everybody cast every, this is such a, this really, I was thinking about the other day and I was like, I don't think there's any doubt that this is the best TV show that Netflix has done. I I don't think that any of the other, maybe you can, they've done a lot of movies now. But as far yeah. as TV shows that they've done, it just doesn't get the credit. One day we'll get the credit solo. Kind of like The Wire, brother. Not It'll The Wire, time. brother. The Wire, comma, yeah. brother. <laughs> like, it took time. It took a while yep. for people to catch on about The Wire. And people would tell me, have you seen The Wire? I'm like, yes. It's one of the greatest shows ever made. Mindhunter is one of the greatest shows ever made. I, I will put the stamp on that. I agree. Um, it really is. And it, it, it it's amazing that it hasn't been. I mean, they don't. We don't do water coolers anymore. The old, you know, talking at the water cooler, you know, at work about stuff. Um, it, it just it, it's, it surprises me that more and more people aren't. I mean, it is dark. It is very dark. Like you said before, I, we don't like serial killers. We love the chase of capturing the serial killer. That's where I. That's where I'm at. I love seeing how they put things together to catch them. You know. Yeah, and and, and, and the in the the idea of of the thinking part, right? That's why yes. I like oh, the it's mind hunting, right? We're hunting minds, mm-hmm. baby, and we're using our mind to hunt other minds. It's like why I think Batman is the best superhero because he's the best detective and the smartest guy in the world, right? That's kind of that's the cool part. That I enjoy. And I think that's it is a challenging show for people. But I do think in years to come, 
it will get its due. And especially if Fincher um, wins Best Picture for Mank or Director mm-hmm. for Mank, and it's with Netflix, I think the second sentence or third sentence is going to be, he did make the you know the critically acclaimed but not very watched Mindhunter. So you know what I mean. They'll kind of slight it in some way, and then watch in like a year, everyone will be like the Ringer will be doing Mindhunter, the yeah. rewatch. Well, it's, especially <laughs> with Bill if, Simmons and Mallory Bill Rubin <laughs> <laughs> and Jason Conception. Let's just yell. Master. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, the, that's the thing is, I think what will, how Mindhunter, you know, like you said, if Fincher wins for Mank, and then if they do do a movie or a new season, then they prop, they promote it. And people are like, what is this? Oh, there's two other seasons. Yeah. And maybe people will get into it more. Um, I hope you know, so. Because I've had to tell people to watch it. And then when they watch it, they go, I couldn't stop. Dude, yeah. I tell people. I have I've said to people, you need to watch Mindhunter. And they kind of remember it because I think the other thing is that imagine if this show had premiered during the pandemic or something. I just think yeah. that it came at a time when there was a ton of new sh- when streaming was happening, you know, and everyone was like, now it's normal. Everybody knows the new Netflix drop stuff on Friday, blah, blah, blah. But this was like it was really it just ha- happened at a weird time. It's a weird show. It's almost too good. Um, and I yeah, I mean, as I sit and watch this, I'm consistently amazed at how every single part of it is perfect. Like you talk about the guy at Hotlanta Records. Um, yeah, every little part and every little casting that they do is something that just really hits the mark bringing back even, you know, they did a lot of stuff this episode, which I thought was interesting too, and plays into the pathology, which is showing things happening on TV. We already mentioned when the FBI director is on TV and kind of gives them an ultimatum, there'll be an arrest happening very soon. You know, which is, again, that kind of clue to what's happening off screen with gun and all them that could have been a whole nother, like you say, like 15, 20 minutes of an episode. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. imagine if Wendy, if they had gone another way and Wendy had become kind of like the emissary or the, the, the go between between gun and higher ups and other people. Right. Because she is so Mm -hmm. smooth we could have seen all this stuff with like them talking that we could have seen the whole meetup where they got the DA to ha- who we knew Slayton, a guy we know when gun is like, yeah, there was a whole meeting at the governor's mansion and bills like, and I bet you the DA was the man of honor. <laughs> <laughs> I love bill. Right. And he's like, you're right, bill. Um, and then he kind of lays it out, but we don't get to see any of that kind of stuff, but it's happening in the background the entire time of the episode. And we learn about it through the TV. But we also, one thing I wanted to mention is the moment when everything they're they're at the height of kind of running and gunning it with Wayne following him around and, you know, all that cat and mouse and Camille is on the TV 
mm-hmm. and they just stop for a second and turn the volume up and she just puts like everything into perspective right like exactly what we're talking about that there's this whole cat and mouse game but what about what you were talking about before what about the kids yeah what about this isn't about the kids anymore this is about a mayor or a governor or a da or gun or the behavioral science unit or tench or holden not about these little kids and it reminds me it reminded me of this scene when Holden is interviewing the young boy in the hotel and he runs away when he finds he's an FBI agent, right? Mm-hmm. And the stuff that Jim brings up later. So you wanted to ask me, I'm going to ask you solo. Whoa, 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 reverse the table. I flipped it on you, baby. It was you a did. long one. You Jim um, Everett me yeah, I with did. Jim Rome. Do you think... <laughs> That one guy, Wayne, killed all of these kids. I don't. I think. I think Wayne. I think Wayne killed most of the kids. And I do think I've been wavering whether he killed like someone bigger than him, like the older ones. But I almost think. If he had the, the the reason to kill, he had the need. It was an opportunity kill, especially the one that got drunk and he was bigger than him, but it was easy to like he couldn't quite strangle him. And um, I do think the KKK might have, while the spree was on, might have killed maybe one or two. I do believe that. I believe, and I and and they don't show it in the show the details so much, but that's why I try not to cross pollinate with the H uh, the HBO doc. Um, is because there's a murder, two kids, a kid or two that were murdered near a laundromat. They really had compelling evidence that that was someone else. So I don't think he did all 29. I really don't. But just his arrogance also, too, even when he's getting interviewed, not talking about his innocence so much that, well, these kids, they're in parking lots and they're prostitutes and, you know, they're getting killed and it's their fault. He's pretty much saying it's their fault for the lives they lead. Uh, and, you know, and with whether that witness that came forward, the informant, cause he wanted some reward said, there's a, you know, Wayne's a Gemini is a different side to him. Um, and how, you know, the donation, he was going to give a donation and he goes, these kids aren't worth it, you know, to paraphrase. So um, I think with his arrogance to this day, Wayne Williams is still in denial that he did, you know, claims he didn't do it. Um, and, and unfortunately, more and more of the parents believe he didn't do it all. Now, I don't know, over time, kind of like the West Memphis Three, where everyone's like, you know, they did it, they did it. And then all of a sudden, they're supporting them by the third documentary. Um, it, it's as time goes by. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, there's too much f- focused on him. There is too much evidence, I think. I know it's not the perfect evidence, but, um, you know, with the show, why would they remove a carpet? Why would he be burning stuff? Why would his father be going to charter a plane possibly to South America if he's totally innocent? His uncle was just like had enough and, you know, ratted him out about burning the stuff. Just his demeanor. it, It just, you know, it's not. 
today it would have been great with DNA and stuff. I mean, I know they're they're I don't know it costs a lot of money, but I think they're going to try to get some DNA or uh, trace evidence off some of the and, and the new mayor was you know or the governor of Atlanta was set to do something like that. I don't know. I don't think they've done that yet or whatever. Um, or there's just not enough evidence to, to, to analyze, but yeah, I, I'm going to say he's definitely good for like 20 of them. I really do believe. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't even, I think I agree. I don't know enough about it. So I'm going to speak from what this Yes, episode. And, and that's where I. Told that's what frustrates me. me because I do know yeah. more from other res- other sources, and that's okay because everybody brings a different experience yeah. to watching the show. And our listeners, some of them will know nothing, some of them will know everything and be experts. Yeah. Um, we know enough to know that within the show and in reality, there is evidence that there was. Perhaps multiple um, non-associated killers, like they weren't working together. Yes. But I think that in the show, they are also pointing towards the fact that Wayne himself perhaps was associated with the white guy who were, who had the house near the stadium that yeah. they kept on talking about. I forget the mm-hmm. name of the street. Yeah, Um, near Fulton County Stadium. Thank you. Um, Right. The old Brave Stadium. Yeah. So I and then there's a part at the at the end when you like you're talking about Holden is telling Jim and he believes that he's going to have all these resources. Right. That's before Gunn tells him, yeah, we're leaving like two people here for a week, you know, Yeah. which is really deflating, too, because. Holden knows that they're letting down Jim. And it was surprising to me that Tench didn't pick up on that at the plane. Yeah. Right. Like I know he said, take a victory lap. I I wish he would have said something like, we're going to take care of Jim and giving us a sense that they're going to bring Jim to DC now or something. Right. Yeah. I thought that that be might nice. be cool. <laughs> um, but, uh, I think that, um, Oh, what happened? What happens is Jim comes up to them. They're still in Atlanta. They're talking about I left a bunch of files. He tells them about the house and about how all the photographs of the black kids were taken out and filtered out from the photographs of the white kids because they didn't want them associating that case with the other one. And then as Jim walks away, he says, you know, somebody's been hiding something and the camera tilts up. To the police sergeant yeah. that, the, or the police chief who previously we thought was a good guy, right? Or that had been kind of trying to help. He had had a problem with Holden earlier, right? What was that? Three, mm-hmm. four episodes ago um, in the beginning of this thing, right? And where distribution of manpower and all that kind of stuff. But we really didn't see him once Wayne was caught. He kind of drifted out of the picture, right? Mm-hmm. When I started to think about it solo, because hopefully we're going to continue on and cover uh, some other Fincher stuff, right? Oh, we are. We are. Um, and he does 
the the cool thing I like about Fincher is, and I think it's a little bit of a hallmark of like I don't know American auteur director, like auteur directors, higher class directors, where they are comfortable with allowing things to happen off screen. You don't actually ha- you can tell sometimes you don't have to show like a person right. can say this is what happened off screen because it's the mechanics of the world and i feel like not seeing the police chief during this whole episode and when all this stuff was happening when he had been such a big part of the show earlier and of mm-hmm. the process earlier is a hint that his time was taken up with the mayor, the governor, the FBI. Yeah. And yeah. they were formulating this plan, which was basically like, look, I don't know what the fuck's going on with Atlanta, but we've got to arrest somebody and put this to rest. Yeah. I mean, maybe there were some deleted scenes. You never know. Yeah. And knowing, I think that knowing, is, I mean, yeah. I think overall from both the Regardless. show and in real life we can see that that is what happened. There was some, there was more happening here and they had the opportunity to use those resources to investigate it. But it really became more about the publicity of all of the Mm -hmm. people in power involved and the little people, which is these moms and these kids were not given the time. Yeah, and if they had, say they did four more episodes, like maybe do a 12 or 13, because see, there's the whole, with the KKK angle, Charles Sanders and his brother, they, we saw them uh, in like uh, one quick interview, and then we see the brother, yeah. I believe Charles yeah. picked him up and flipped mm-hmm. everyone off. Um, there is a lot of stuff that they could have focused on in this show pertaining to them. Because I believe they did. I mean, because you had the one, you know, call. I'm going to go get another one of those kids. You know, yeah. Yep. I, I do believe, and that they're involved with some of the murders, 100. percent And it's not like they're going lurking in neighborhoods. It could have been crime of opportunity, or they knew where to go where they wouldn't be seen. And people would probably be the other kids would probably be too afraid to say, "Oh yeah, I saw that." You know, and also. You brought it up, and I was thinking about it today for the first time when I was just – I just kind of had the uh, episode on the background while we were getting ready for the pod. And you, you talking about if Wayne worked with other people. Yeah. I mean he could have been the recruiter. Mm-hmm. He could have been easily exactly. working with people and, and basically maybe maybe you know someone else does the killing. He watches. He tries it. Or he's just literally, like you said – you know, there's those two how the brick house and the Fulton County house. I mean, there's stuff going on and stuff. There's stuff with the Polaroids and the pedophile and something they didn't focus on. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and, it, and it's amazing with this show because uh, was it Jim has one of the guys a few episodes back say, "Hey, go through these or whatever," and then they bring it up. He goes, "Hey, I had one of my recruits or whatever yep. look it up," and it's like they they already were foreshadowing that, which is great. But, I mean, there's a possibility Wayne, in a sense, may – I mean, did he kill any of them? I believe he did. But he could have been more of a facilitator, recruiter as well. Well, and that uh, plays into the Hotlanta Records scene, right? Because yes. he's like, Wayne, he's a punk. You know, like yeah. he doesn't – he's not the idea, man. Like he's basically like, you know – 
if a if he set he is can be just as manipulated that's what the guy was trying to say yeah he may be trying to manipulate these kids but he's not a danger to them because he's being manipulated by other people he right like he Very saw possible. the scratches as him getting beat up right and for all we know it could be that the other guys beat him up that there was basically kind of like a pedophile ring going on here taking advantage of the fact that there were these young poor black boys who were in and around malls um supermarkets parking lot you know wherever that he was in touch with and like you say it makes perfect sense that wayne would be the one who was like the outreach because of his personality too the guys who were running it didn't care if he got caught because they thought wayne's crazy nobody's gonna listen to wayne right like right he'll talk to a cop like it's anything he doesn't care it's wayne so there's also i'm sorry axel no i was just gonna say it just overall is about power structures institutionalized racism what that means how it looks on the ground and everybody's a part of it right mm-hmm. it because you'd say to, people would say well you know hey the mayor's black this person it's a when a, the system doesn't see the color right the system does what the people who implant it do want it to do. Mm-hmm. And in this case it is, why should they do any more work to figure this, this sorted tale out when they can just make it stop by, you know, taking this guy off the street. That's my question though. You know, a little bit more, did it stop? Did any, because I mean, it's such a big city. You think, it could have went on and people not even know. Yeah, because, I mean, there's other cases that aren't linked to this one. But, like, uh, I vaguely remember the details, but it really, like, made me sick when I was listening to it on uh, Payne Lindsay's Atlanta Monster podcast. Like, this one kid, young kid, was, you know, four older boys took him into an abandoned building and raped him, right. you know. And stuff like that. And, and, and so there's a lot of other things going on, whether because the links there, we don't know if all 29 were associated with the serial killer, but it's just, it, it means there's awful things that were going on. I mean, yes. uh, hopefully they're not still going on, but you know, they probably are. But really during this time, there's a lot of that. And like you said, with the prostitution and all that, it, you, you know, it's, it's so just, multi-layered, dude, because it's about yeah. it's race, it's a city, right? It's um, mm-hmm. it's about money, class, uh, and you can location. get away with a hell of a lot more. Yeah. Than. Oh man, I mean, yep. I, it's it's scary. I mean, going back and you know listening to I'm listening to the book about Green River. It's not the uh, John Douglas one, but different authors. But you know, and and and, and really researching, you know, to get ready for the movie being a homicide detective in the star city murders, yeah, I'm just kind of, you know, researching a lot of, a lot of cases and just different things. And, you know, listening, I'm like, God, how did they, how did they like catch killers back then, you know, without confessions and fingerprints, I guess. But mm-hmm. it's just like it, you know, as much as there's been a lot of F ups by police departments and stuff, but mm-hmm. also resources aren't there. And they're not super, they're not law and order superheroes, 
you know, yes, and some, uh, yeah, you know, so it's, true, it, it's harder than it sounds, you know, like you got these web sleuths online, citizen detectives and all that. You have so much at your disposal <laughs> and you have no consequences. Oh man. I know what you're talking uh, about. Web sleuths. You know what I mean? Where, yeah. yeah. So it, I just, I'm so amazed still. Like even with this case, I know. how because of fibers they call, and, and good police work, they tracked it down. Whether it was a right arrest or not, I'm, you know. But it's just it, it goes to show you how difficult it freaking is. And adding the profiling, though, at this time it was it, you know it made its big jumps with this case. Uh, it re- you really do need it to because if you have nothing and you have hunches. The best thing to do is come up with, you know, you know, the profile, even though, you know, Holden got a lot of shit because he was had tunnel vision. It's like, it's a black man. It's a black man. And, and whether he's right or not, I mean, with the arrest, yeah, he was right. But is but he, he wasn't open to see, well, could this black man be working with someone else who's not black or, you know, whatever? Um, you know, so there's more to it. But. You know, they're focused on what they know and what they feel. And you got that gut as well. And, you know, um, it's more difficult. And I'm just so amazed how cases get solved, got solved in the past because it's yeah, I I I mean, look at the Golden State Killer, Zodiac. I mean, Zodiac's a whole nother thing I want to talk about. We'll do it when we do the movie. Well, I'm I'm getting different views with Zodiac now. Oh, you know, baby. that one's going to yeah. be fun. A little tease, little tease. Well, that's why Mindhunter is so that's why the show is so cool, because it's it's about the start of all this. Right. Yeah. And it's about yep. the start of the idea that you put yourself in the mindset of the killer, that you open yourself up to accepting their worldview as valid because in order to catch them and know what their next move is and how they operate, you have to accept them almost, right? And kind of be mm-hmm. one with them. Yeah. And, and that can mess you up. <laughs> that can mess you up. And it, and you see that when you extrapolate that out from an individual like Holden to a system like the FBI, you can see that what gets lost is the humanity because it's become systemized and that's what Camille is pleading um, to the public about. I shouldn't say even not, not even pleading just downright telling them because that was an amazing little speech there that we kind of jump into, um, which is the people on the ground. And that's what a lot of Mindhunter has been about. The thing, you know, the, the thing that got Holden and Tench involved really on the ground were cops that were so upset that they weren't able to help people and that mm-hmm. were traumatized by what they had seen or, or trying to solve these crimes. And, you know, that's a big step to take to kind of get into the mind of the killer like that for a whole system and for like the FBI to do that. But there's a danger in it, as we've seen with Holden, is you can kind of lose yourself, right? And Mm -hmm. um, kind of become obsessed by it. And I think that's why we find this so interesting and why it's so hard. And like you're saying, 
I find it absolutely amazing that anybody gets caught. When you think of like pre-DNA, pre-fingerprints, how easy it was to commit crimes that all you needed to do was have the will to do it, it really makes you kind of have a better uh, like feeling about humanity in general (laughs) because it's so fucking easy right it was so easy and um the fact that it was the fibers and it's funny at one point it's just before he gets arrested tench says um yeah it's a good thing the dna doesn't care about things like scientific evidence right (laughs) when jim is like yeah it matched the fiber there's like five uh, the dog matched on five of them and the, the carpet matched on like 12 or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Which again made me think, I, I, I don't know, man, I guess if, I guess I'm going to revise as we're talking about it. And I, I do think that the show is giving us an idea that Wayne was the disposer of bodies and the getter of kids and that there were mm-hmm. many more people involved in it. Now that I'm kind of yeah. putting the pieces more together, because I guess mm-hmm. I would hesitate to say it because I don't really know about the case, but I do think that the show is kind of putting forth that. And I, I would, you know, damn, I wish this continues. Would continue yeah, I know. To, for I know. Another I season know. so they could have an update of it or like, you know, Holden on vacation. He just goes back to Atlanta. <laughs> vacation. He's walking the streets. <laughs> He's taking Tanya out to lunch. Yeah. He's at this time. Tanya comes in. He's like, would you like to come into my room? And she's like, no, thank you. Yeah, I know. Right? Good for her. <laughs> yeah. Good for her. He, he, he's so fun. Um, the one thing I did want to mention about Holden is how the, the uh, and again, it's into the weirdness of how in the background, every time they didn't think they were going to get the DA to do something, he, the, he, they would have like a kind of a bad confrontation with him. Not terrible. They got better than better than the first time. Yeah. But it got and then they you'd walk the scene would end and you'd think they weren't going to get anything and then they'd get it. They'd be searching the car. They'd be in the right. They'd be in the house. Yeah. They'd po- be going politics, man. Yeah. It's like how that just kept on happening was so interesting in the show. Um, but uh, Holden did kind of get a little bit better. Like, remember, he tried when they were in the hallway. He was like, oh, well, I know what pressure you're under from the mayor. And then he's like, you do, do you? Yeah. <laughs> and Tench looks at Holden and Tench is kind of like, you tried. Like, <laughs> I would. that's something I would have said. Like, you did a good job there. Like, I kind of appreciated they didn't have time to wrap up every single like kind of storyline, but I liked that They kind of threw this a little bone that, Hey, Holden's learning here. I just wanted to mention that, but, um, dude, I don't know how much left we have to say about this. Do you want to talk a little bit about, we, we kind of already talked about, is there anything else you want to say about well, um, Wayne and all that? You know, uh, as far as Wayne, I, think i think we hit it all because what's great is with you know watching it for the first time doing rewatches discussing it with you is we actually come up with different theories <laughs> and it's just like in the show sure he's he could be a scapegoat did he do it we 
everything points that he's guilty, but there's so much more to talk about whether he could be innocent or not, or what type of degree of, you know, guilty is he with all this? Um, but as far as that, no, I, I, uh, um, what's amazing again, like when, you know, like I said, I threw the episode on in the background, but I'm so like, forget what I'm doing. And I start watching it in detail, even though I know what's going to happen. I always pick up new Mm. things. Yeah. new subtleties and the, it's just so good me too um, man the direction it, i didn't give enough credit you know earlier when we we're talking about it carl franklin just great direction here because really great yeah. so much of it was just in a car in a room and the way he was allowing people to walk in and out of the frame even when they were in the same room the way mm-hmm. he was cutting especially the scene in the car you could teach a film class about how to cut inside of a car with this scene when they first interview Wayne because they start cutting it and then you hear Jim's voice. He asked a question and then when Wayne answers, they cut and you all of a sudden say, oh, fuck, Jim's in the car. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Jim and, Barney. Uh, and the way that he kept on one thing that they did a lot during all of these interview scenes was pull focus and they were doing that a tremendous amount in especially i wonder if that was something they really constant like the dp and him concentrated on mm-hmm. where you would have two people in the frame and then they would the focus would pull to the foreground or the background depending where the person was they're doing a, a lot of that and I think, I mean, overall, that's kind of a, they always do that in mystery things. And it's a sign of like things come, obviously things coming into focus. Um, but my final comment would be the abruptness. I would have liked, because the last kind of confrontation they have, I would have liked to seen something a little bit more with, um, like Holden and Tench, like looking at just staring at Wayne again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, cause it was like, once he was out of their hands, it was like out, you know what I mean? Right. Like they spent so much time with them. It was such an abrupt end. I would have liked to seen like one last thing of Holden, like seeing him or I don't know, but it, it did. It worked that we didn't get that because that's, that speaks to the abruptness of like the powers that be swooping in and arresting them and, you know, like ending it. Yeah. So I know we, we kind of got it at the police station, but, um, I think, uh, overall, man, it was pretty amazing. And we talked about like kind of the coda with, with, uh, Wendy throwing out the magazine that she had been looking at before Mm. and bill and his, and obviously, uh, Wendy, uh, Barb, Holden. Nance. Barb. Uh, no, I'm trying to call Barb. her every single name that I can because <laughs> it's a last time. Um, but, I think Wendy's going to date a Barb next yeah. season. Wendy. Oh yeah, um, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe a Barbie Nancy, a Barb Nancy. What's your name? Barb Barbara Nance. Nance. Barbara Nance. Barbara Nance. Um, um, but the one thing um, that we had talked about just at that little coda part before, if we talk about BTK mm-hmm. is the part with Holden where he is in his uh, apartment and he's eating his um, 
Chef Boyardee or whatever the fuck that was. <laughs> and he's watching the news and they're talking about the case, right? And they wrap it up for us that they're not going to really make, you know, case closed. They're not going to really make any more arrests, right? Like it's kind of that's it. Right. But he gets the sauce on his sleeve. And as we're hearing the case, he takes, he sees it. And he can't even finish his meal. He has to take off his shirt nicely, right? Fold it over, go over, just clean that part of the sleeve, right? And I just thought that that was the most brilliant metaphor for him, like his his own pathology, where it was almost like a signal, like he's going to not let this stain what he does, he's going to use this as a lesson to how the system works. And in the future, he's going to be able to stop this from happening, stop the case being able to like take it out from under him. He's going to navigate it to who, why, like who really needs to take the blame for something or that's how I saw it. How did you see it? Hmm. I'm sorry. My wife was texting me. I lost. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm thinking of sauce and God damn about, it. Is, it. is it about Brian again? Yeah. Well, I was thinking like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. It just <laughs> happened. I'm like, well, what's going on? Uh, Cause she's leaving work early. She's not feeling That's well. Okay, sorry baby. about that. Live but, but, on the but, podcast. Like, I was think, yeah. I was thinking about how, if I got something on, I'd be like, I'd, wipe my hands over my ah, take care of it later <laughs> like yeah. where he stops everything so rephrase the question for me I, oh my god it's been a long mind hunting okay games. i'm just my basic question is what did you take from that scene why did he get a stain on his shirt uh, you know i think it goes into I mean, it's definitely a Holden character thing. I think it's it. it I, I guess I'm more like he's like he has the traits of a possible serial killer, but he's not mm. psycho. <laughs> like just his. I mean, that's like a serial killer thing. They're so perfect and ADD yeah, and everything. Cra- you got to be crazy to catch crazy. Yeah, and and I think that's kind of. I kind of dig that I, solo. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where I because. Throughout the the show, you know, we talk about Brian. Could he be the makings of a serial killer? Holden could easily, had he had a bad, really bad childhood. And I, mean, I don't know if we ever really learn about his childhood or anything. No. I don't think so. We don't. So we don't know uh, about Holden. Um, so I just, it's almost like the, the mirror image of a serial killer who doesn't kill, who catches, ser- wow. you know, it's all, like you said, like, because like. What I really like is, you know, I'm a fan of the Law and Order series, but I'm gl- I, I really liked when they did Criminal Intent with Vincent D'Onofrio because he got into the minds of mm-hmm. these killers, and it was really a different take we had never seen before. Um, at least maybe some series that got canceled. You know, it's way before Criminal Minds started and all that. Uh, so that was like it just. You could see how it wore on the character where Holden just doesn't seem affected. I I know he seems affected. Like 
like when Bill tells him something, you know, when he confesses, you know, he finally tells him what's going on at home. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. But like he doesn't have a lot of these feelings he doesn't have. I mean, he had the anxiety and the panic attacks and everything, but he's just a different animal. Yeah, he's a different um, he's breed, more, man. Yeah, he's more closer than a serial killer than we think, but not, you know, he has traits maybe of a narcissist sociopath but he's but again he's likable but he really cares about himself his appearance uh his structure and being right and and catching killers yeah (laughs) so yeah i like that i like i think that it's a very to the point explanation that it illustrates as they're talking about you know we we're kind of like letting the serial killer, you know, we got the serial killer, but not for the reasons for the murders you think, but for something else. And then here we have kind of like a serial killer in his house eating, listening, but he's not a serial killer. He catches them, but he thinks like them. And yeah, he definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting that you saw it that way. And I saw it kind of more as him like. He'll get the job done. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm more I like work, a serial baby, killer. <laughs> I kind of liked it, but I thought it was on par with the show and how brilliant and deep it is. And you're right. I mean, it signaled a lot of different things. I wonder, um, maybe, maybe at one point try to read up a little bit more on the production of uh, the direct production of the show um, and find out a lot uh, what the thought was behind it. But I do think, I mean, it shows like, like compulsion. It also looked a little bit like blood on the sleeve. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, you know, he's like uh, washing it off. You know? Yeah. It, I mean, there's so much you, I, yeah. honestly, you could teach a class cool. on the scene. It was really I mean, cool. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's, not, let's, let's end it up. Yeah. BTK, man, this was, Ooh boy! And as soon as as soon as we start talking about it, I hear Intruder in my mind. The Peter oh, Gabriel Peter Gabriel song baby that they end this when yep. I can remember when I was a kid and I got into Peter Gabriel when I was like in high school, I think. And I would play this song, and I had like this little speaker, and I'd actually play the song. Uh, I had vinyl, baby, and yep. my mom would be like, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> well, I heard that song, The Intruder will leave his mark what the like i was like oh yeah i was like i used to i would i put on the headphones when i played that song again but what a creepy ass song but man this oh man this just makes you really want season three this is well three and four yeah Yeah. oh man laying out all the trophies and the camera and i mean this was um and I think historically, isn't this, I don't, again, we're not serial killer experts, but I believe that this we is. We just play one on TV. Yeah, we just play one on a podcast. <laughs> play one on a podcast. I believe that this is referencing an actual picture that was found of BTK, isn't it? Oh, you know, again, I don't claim to be an expert and I am not. I am just a vessel to try to get you to think people listening. Uh, I don't know. It's very, no one Fincher and the, and the, and, and, and the creators of the show <laughs> wouldn't surprise me if this is something real 
you know, it wasn't just something staged. There's a reason why we get this clip, uh, this, this scene at the end. So it wouldn't surprise me if it is a picture uh, of it reenactment thing. Yeah, I'm trying to look. I'm looking it up. Um, things, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Is, uh, maybe not. You know what? I don't think it is actually. Okay. I was mistaken. Okay. I thought that that was an actual picture that they later found. Oh, um, okay. Hey, it sounded good to me. I believed you. Yeah, maybe it is. Hey, you know what? This is your homework, people, from the Haunt the Minds. Figure it out yourselves. Expand. Well, let us know. Let us and know. And then Axel will read the email and never tell me <laughs> that he got an email. I'll, I'll read the email. Oh, yeah, remember, I got an email solo. Um, but <laughs> it so perfectly illustrates the kind of journey we now see all these different women, some of the names we recognize, right? Um, and do we know what time of, of what year this is? Is this right after? Is this years later? Do we... Do we know? I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so up in the air when he's doing this, Yeah, uh, which, wow. which, which is great. I mean, because we don't know. I mean, we know BTK because with certain cases and how they touched upon, we know when things have kind of happened uh, during that time frame. But some of these we don't we don't necessarily know. Yeah. Um, and when, especially because he he took so much time off. The little, yes. the little that I do know about BTK um, is that he committed a bunch, like a lot of murder. Then he took a lot of time off. Then he did it again. Then I think he took a lot of time off, and then he was caught much later. Right? So yeah, he was caught like recently, like yeah, twenty thirteen or something, or yeah. uh, you know, in the twenty, you know, post two thousand three. It was long um, after this long after this so So, i mean that could be the 90s that could you know that could be when he's in his hiatus you know maybe he just gets off by reliving it but he decides not to kill anymore you know that's what's great is you know if we knew season three was coming we'd be like okay what are we you know we're gonna get another season of btk clips yeah and then you know season four or five that's why it's like it's the build-up too right because just thinking about when we first started off and Holden was uh, trying to convince that dude to let the lady go, right? He was a hostage <laughs> negotiator yeah. when we first start. Then they go, they're teaching, then they're interviewing, then they're then they're on the ground actually doing real police work. And they and they have all these ideas and they've interviewed these people and they've heard even Manson, you know what I mean? But got, this last, I got you, Manson. Yeah, but this last shot here of a guy, not only does it have the sexual stuff, he's dressed up, he's choking himself and jerking his chain, he's laying out all of... It's like you're finally let into this ultimate serial killer lair, right? After mm-hmm. all this time of hearing about it. Right. And what you really want to happen when he's like jerking his head back and then it cuts to black is you want that door to open and it's holding intention. They're like, get against the ground. 70 years old. BTK, <laughs> we're here to get But it's like you want them to see like I almost want to see Holden see that stuff 
And you know, Holden is going to like get a stiffy from it because he's like, I was right. Oh, my God. These weirdos love to pile up the shit. They clean their sleeves off, too, when they get Chef Boyardee on it. Like it was it was just perfect for the way it, it kind of yeah. um, it, it served as a nice culmination. If this is the last episode ever of mine hunter which we both don't think it will be i, or hope, hope, it, it I hope it's not i hope it's not it's still pretty awesome that it comes at the end when they put him in the yeah. beginning it's just it's it's really beautiful it i mean it's yeah, not it's beautiful like a, the scene itself well, but sure yeah. axel uh no but <laughs> we know we know what beautiful means to you in uh milwaukee <laughs> um no but it it, it because this these narratives are taken from real life events. Yeah. It, it's almost, if, if it did, if the show did end, it's not the worst thing because we know BTK ends up getting caught and they bring them down and all that. It's just, we're seeing a slice of the time period. Um, so if it was, you know, the killer was TKO and it was some mystery killer, then we'd be really like, what the hell is going on? At least we have that to put it into perspective that, okay, granted the show for whatever, you know, with Netflix and Fitch, it didn't work out. They did, we didn't have any more, but at least we, we, we know we get some insight uh, on a path on the time. And so it's, it, it's not the end of the world, but for guys like us who love this show so much, we want more. Um, and we want the Jim Barney Chronicles and, you know, all that good stuff. And uh, what, what was the sitcom? Wendy and Greg. Oh, yeah. On the road. Wendy and Greg on the road. Figure it out with Wendy and Greg. Uh, hey. Wendy and Greg. Or, or we call it just Wendy Vision. Wendy Vision. I like that. <laughs> Wendy Greg. Oh, yeah. All right, man. So. Well, what an amazing journey it's been. We ended with the BT to the K. Um we will be back. We will be back talking about uh, some more Fincher stuff. And we're going to be doing that a little bit later because we have been, like uh, I have been saying, we've been kind of building these up. These are going to be on the Patreon first, then release them onto the um, regular feed, get it out there to everybody. Hopefully, it'll maybe bring in some more patrons into the fold, get us more activated to continue on in our journey it's been a wonderful one you are amazing solo i don't really have much else to say about hunting the minds man it's just it's it's oh. wonderful and i maybe we'll rewatch it again in five years yeah yeah i mean it, it came down to us loving season one so much and with having you know our podcasting network it's like we got to talk about this and we i mean the original concept was to eventually go do season one, but season two was coming out. Why don't we watch it in one day and then we'll podcast between each episode? That was the, yeah. the original oh concept. And then we realized, okay, we can't effing can't do, do this, this <laughs> you know, and then it just evolved. And, um, you know, with me, you know, trying to get a movie made and it's coming up as uh, June 26 will be our first day of shooting. It's official in the books. Uh, it, it was, it's been, you know, a long journey. Uh, so like, you know, of course time and stuff is of the essence, but this was one show that we, we promised we'd get back to. And I know it's taken a lot longer than we thought, but with the pandemic and COVID and stuff and 
um, you know, just life in general, we, we, we had to make adjustments, but I'm glad we stuck to it true to form. And we did this together because I wouldn't want to do this alone, or I would only want to do it with you. And, and it's just been a, a pleasure to really get back and, you know, very rare do you able to get to podcast about your favorite shows or there's cer- certain shows you can't really podcast about. There's not much to say. There's a lot to say here. And I look forward to attacking uh, Fincher's Zodiac film and really getting into that. Oh, yeah. um, that that's kind of what we're thinking about next to kind of do. And then, you know, me and Axel have been reading some books and stuff. So th- there's a lot of things we have planned. So this isn't the end. Uh, Cause you know, the whole true crime thing is popular and we're fans of it, but we want to do something different. We don't want to just go over real cases and like every other show. I mean, it's the same, you know, that's been done and people are, are really, really damn good at it out there. So we want to kind of bring in our movie perspective, our backgrounds in, and kind of tackle the fictional stuff with some reality stuff, but fictional meaning, you know, movies about BTK or, you know, so uh, we're going to attack that. Uh, just a couple of notes I have, Axel. Just as you know, I look. We love the music of the show, and uh, just the two other songs that really stood out to me in this one: "Hey 19 by Steely Dan before yes. Wayne gets murdered. Yes, um, love little Steely Dan, and then "Guilt" by Marianne Faithful. I feel guilt. I feel yeah. guilt. I mean, it just goes with what's going on. Um, So I I just, and I am a big, at my former bar, I used to, I had 200 something playlists that I would play randomly every, every night or whatever, you know, mix them up and whatnot. They're, you know, usually playlists, 25 songs, don't repeat an artist. Well, I've been releasing them on Spotify uh, as I go. And I made a great Mindhunter mixtape. It's like two and a half hours of songs from Mindhunter. So if you go to Spotify, it's free and follow HK Hollywood. HK Hollywood's my username and HK Music. It'll, you'll see Mindhunter mixtape. I think it's number 228 or something uh, playlist. Uh, they're all out of order, unfortunately, as you know, Spotify doesn't uh, numeric, put them in numerical order. But uh, if you want to just you, you listen to this finale and you're like, crap, you know, I, I love the music. I put an awesome mixtape together on there so you can check it out. Follow me on Spotify, HK Hollywood, and you can uh, also listen to all kinds of other mix. And we're, we're making it's, it's, it's a process, but we're making the definitive Axel Foley mix volume oh, one coming, right baby. now. We got like four or five songs. So that'll be released on Spotify sometime this summer. So it, it's, it's just, a you know, another cool thing, another a hobby of mine. I love music and I love creating playlists and, intricately putting them together so there's a reason why every song's in a place i have a whole thing i do so um so if you want to enjoy some of that um but that's all i got axel i like it um anything else you want to add before we close it out no that's it you can check us out at dvrpodcast.com become a patron go to patreon.com slash dvr Check out all the other podcasts we've done. Westworld, Game of Thrones, Lost, True Detective, Big Little Lies, Veronica Mars. We've done so many different shows. Mm. We're going to continue doing it. Um, Mindhunter is beautiful and amazing. 
give a shout out to the people on some of these mine hunter Facebook groups who have shared the pod and to all the listeners out there. Thanks for being patient for waiting for us to finish this up. And uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. We love you all. Peace out. Peace out. We love the mine hunters. One thing I will say, though, Axel, we're not the fucking Beatles, but a little close. Little, 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 no. Close. Close. Okay, close. All right, baby. Yeah. All right. We did it. That was awesome, man. I can see it in your eyes. Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you. All right. You sound better solo. Well, I, I, I also switched to my Wi-Fi, too, so... Oh, much probably, better. It, much better. It, <clears throat> okay. So, yeah, I'll just redo it. That was a little clunky anyway. I got it out of my system. Let's fucking um, do it, brother. <laughs> All right, let me know when you're ready, and I'll begin again. I was motherfucking born ready to hunt mines. That's why I'm here, Holden. (laughs) Get your hands out of your pockets. We got work to do.